This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial. Your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Friday, April the 12th. I'm your host, D.A. And as we creep closer to the NFL draft, now just a little over a week and a half away, the question is, is it a definite that Kyler Murray, Heisman Trophy winner, Oklahoma, ends up in Arizona with the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury with the number one overall pick? Everyone seems to assume so, except is it possible that if the Cardinals don't take him number one, he might tumble in the draft. Here's Pete Prisco, CBS Sports NFL Insider, on the morning show, 92.9, the game in Atlanta. Pete, so we're looking at your mock draft, and you basically have the Arizona Cardinals passing on Kyler Murray. Why is that? Well, because I've done about five of those, and I just got to change it up every once in a while. I have heard some information where, um, you know, maybe it's not going to happen with Kyler Murray in Arizona. Now, it's not definitive, but here's why. The ownership was pushing for, for, from what I was told, the ownership was pushing for that move to be made because the Cardinals, quite frankly, are having problems selling tickets, and they wanted to kind of put it out there and float it out there and gauge if there was going to be any, you know, fever, uh, Kyler Murray fever over drafting them, and, and it hadn't worked out that way. So, um, you know, there, there's some people in that building that still like Josh Rosen, I still think he can be a quality quarterback. I don't think that it was fair to him what they did last year because the team was a disaster around them. The offensive line at the end of the year was the worst thing I've ever seen in this league in my life. Uh, and so why not draft a defensive player um, and, and then, you know, keep Rosen? So I still think it's a possibility. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I do still think it's a possibility. Talking with Pete Prisco about some of the NFL headlines as we are 13 days away from the NFL draft. Pete, uh, you have the uh, Falcons in your new article, and you can go to cbssports.com, or you can just Google Pete Prisco, P-R-I-S-C-O, CBS, and his his columns will come up. Uh, In your mock draft, you have the Falcons taking Christian Wilkins. Been a lot of talk about uh, the Falcons kind of being all over the place, but are you pretty set now that the Atlanta Falcons are going to go defensive tackle? Well, I think they have a need there. I know they have the kids to not that they drafted last year, who's you know a little bit of a, a fire hydrant, and a smaller defensive tackle, and, and they have high hopes for him. But uh, I still think they need to you know address that position. Plus, you never know with Grady Jarrett what the contract situation is going to be like, and and so I think they do uh, need to look at that position, and and there is going to be some value there, I think. But you got to also look at the, you know the right tackle situation. I know they. They paid some Brylow that money, but if one of the right tackles that they like was there, maybe that's a possibility. Uh, and also the corner position. I mean, you know, uh, they have high hopes for Isaiah Oliver, but they also have to uh, hope like heck that maybe you can get another corner uh, in this draft. So for me, I think there's a bunch of different ways they go. I don't think there's a corner worth taking in that spot. You could address that position later in the draft. Uh, maybe if Jawan Taylor fell to him at right tackle, that would be a possibility. Uh, but I also think that there's some value there for the defensive lineman. 
you know, with every team, they build their teams according to to the division. And when you look at this division, the, the uh, NFC South, how do you think the Falcons stack up against the Saints and everybody else in the division? Well, again, I think, you know, last year, you know, they had so many injuries right off the bat in the middle of the defense, and, and it, it impacted the way the team played every way around because, you know, they were in shootouts, the offensive put pressure put on it, and, and, and it wasn't the same type of unit. I think the offensive line was bad last year. There was a lot of pressure at Matt Ryan's feet. That's never a good thing. That's why they addressed it with the guards and free agency. Um, so I, I do think they can match up with everybody in the division. I, I think it's still a good, talented football team. Now they got to do some things. They have to protect him better. They have to run the ball a little bit better. They have to pressure the quarterback better for sure. And, and that was something that was surprising to me last year. I thought with you know McKinley there and, and Beasley and, and that group and Grady Jarrett and inside pressure that they would be able to pressure the quarterback better than they did. Uh, so they, if they can do all that stuff, and those are a lot of ifs, I think they could be right there with the Saints to compete for the division again. Look, if the Cardinals are making decisions based on selling tickets, they're already in trouble. And maybe that's the reason they, they hired Cliff Kingsbury in the first place, to sell tickets because he's a name. But, you know, that's a really bad way to try to build a winner, worrying about selling tickets. That's not the way the New England Patriots built Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady. They went about it trying to win football games first and allowed everything else to take care of itself. So if you're in there hoping that Kyler Murray could win the popularity contest in Phoenix and sell some tickets, and that would be the only reason you took him number one, and because he didn't really move the needle from a season ticket holder standpoint in town when the rumor is out there, suddenly you're not high on him anymore. That is a dysfunctional and broken way to handle a franchise-altering pick at number one overall. Day one of the Masters is in the books and some interesting names near the top. Phil Mickelson had a wonderful opening round on Thursday, his best actually at the Masters in nearly a decade. But how about Brooks Kepka? Now here's a guy that doesn't get a ton of run as one of the top names on the tour, but should he? Here's longtime golf analyst Mike Tarico joining 97-1, the ticket in Detroit, and Jamie and Stoney. Coverage yesterday, your, your friend Jim Nance was, he was kind of, in a way, almost scolding uh, us in the media and also golf fans for looking past Brooks Kepka because you're right. I mean, Tiger and Spieth and Rory and, and DJ. Phil. What is it about Kepka? I mean, you've obviously known him a little bit. Is he a... Is there, is there a problem with him? Do people dislike him, or is it just that nobody really talks about him? Well, let me first say that the Kepka hat is probably not for people our age, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just for anybody, but okay, yes. We, we, yeah, they, they've stopped marketing to us. Yes. Um, you know, I, I hope Jim's scolding was taken lightly. It was. It, it, it was. It was not meant Jim, – Jim would never hurt anyone. I know. Um, I, I kind of agree with him a little bit, and uh, I think we're to blame because – the, the, the lowest hanging fruit is let's talk Tiger, let's talk Phil, uh, let's talk Ricky Fowler, let's you know, let's talk Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson. There are a lot of really good players out there right now. I don't think Dustin Johnson has gotten credit for how good he is. He's won 20 tournaments. That's a big number. He's still relatively young in his golf career. So I think we have the megastars who get the crossover headlines. The non-golfers know them. Brooks Kepka doesn't. He should have jumped on the radar a little bit higher when he won a second straight U.S. Open. Curtis Strange was the last to do that 30 years ago. And then when he won the PGA with Tiger breathing down his neck. 
that, that's the one that should have opened up everyone's eyes because it's always been about, well, you know, you know, all these guys have won these majors, but it hasn't been against Tiger. Well, here was Tiger playing a good major at the Open the, year, the month before, right in contention at the PGA, and Brooks Kepka didn't play. So he should have gotten more of our attention, I think. So I think shame on us for not doing that. Uh, I agree. I think he gets overlooked by a lot of folks, and he should. He's got all the game in the world. He's gotten more attention for <laughs> losing weight and talking this <laughs> way. And most people think it's for ESPN the body issue, um, which would which would be motivation, candidly, to uh, to lose weight. But um, it hasn't affected his golf game as we see right now. All right, Mike, you're the best. Great talking to you. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the magnolias, uh, <laughs> and we will uh, hopefully talk to you very soon. I'll, uh, I'll stay away from the lyrics for the rest of the song. You, you scared me away. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's frightening. All right. Thank you. Go, go Pistons. Go All right. Pistons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey, what, when, when, here's a good one. What's the last playoff win by a Detroit team? Would it be the Wings against Tampa yes. three years ago? Look at you. They, yes. They won, they won one game in that series, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's a long time without yeah. a playoff win. Yeah, the Pistons' last sport. win was 98. Oh, that's right. They got swept the other time. 98? No, we're going to go 2008. Oh, 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 08. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 08. I'm sorry. They won a few games in 04. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I was just say, wait, did, did I sleep through that championship? Yeah, yeah, that, that never happened. Oh, All right, oh, Michael. Oh, 08, too. All right, guys, yeah. have fun. Enjoy Thanks the a lot. I don't know if the golf world is ready to move past Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods, no matter who else is in there. Yeah, there's Ricky Fowler, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, et cetera. But let's face it, it's still lefty and Tiger, Tiger and lefty. And I don't think that's going to change for a while. I mean, once those guys are officially no longer competing, perhaps, for for majors, but if Tiger and Phil are ended on Sundays, let's face it, that is where the entire golf universe coalesces and latches onto with the hopes of seeing something that they used to see that they feel good about because they used to see it, perhaps at a nostalgia, but whatever it is, those two are the biggest names still in the sport, and people just can't shake it. On the diamond, what a powerful sweep by the Houston Astros as an early season World Series favor, the New York Yankees come into town and quickly get broomed out. Was that a statement sweep by the Strohs? Here's Sports Radio 610 in Houston and Mad Radio. Astros swept the Yankees last night as Ryan Presley shut the door for the last four outs. They win 8-6, and they've won six games in a row. They swept a homestand, the entire one against the A's and the Yankees. Do you guys feel like they made a statement in this series? Because I feel like they made a statement in this series. I would feel like it... Only because of the name brand factor of the Yankees, but the Yankees also have more people on the DL than any other anybody else in the league. They're tremendously right banged with up. no Giancarlo Stanton and ten other dudes. Um, it's it's not the same Yankees team you're going to see later in the year or in the playoffs. I think that I don't think it feels that way for me personally. I do enjoy when the Astros play the Yankees in the first two games of the series were on ESPN. I got more texts about the Astros from friends and family around the country than I probably did at any other point since maybe, like, uh, the, the playoffs last year. What were they saying? Uh, just, like, uh, Altuve, for one. I always People get this. There's always, like, there's always, like, one new person into the fold that's just realizing how powerful Altuve is. So this time it was a friend from Denver who, after one of Altuve's home runs, I can't I can't keep track. There's so many, uh, four of them in this series, um, just, you know, uh, texted me, how, how the hell does this 
little dude generate so much power. I don't get it. Um, so I forwarded him eight articles. I'm sure he's not, he'll never text me again. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Here's some reading assignments. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I uh, know, but it feels, it just feels good to do it versus the Yankees. It's a banged up Yankees squad and it's, you're going to see a different one down through the end. Uh, but, but now Yankees fans, especially and the tears of Yankees fans never taste quite so sweet as anything else. It's, uh, it's like nectar of the gods. But you gotta figure it, like, if you're a Yankees fan, you gotta, what if the Yankees lose in the playoffs to the Red Sox last year? Was it three to one? It, it was, wasn't yeah. much of a series. It was, yeah. They, they, made it, was, they made it close in game four yeah. off Kimbrel, but the Red Sox barely hung on. What am I gonna win. give them a participation ribbon, ribbon for that? Uh, like, so the, the well, Yankees they were upset place, they'll have all kinds of excuses and whatnot. Uh, in series versus good teams, as of late, it's been a, it's a been a long march of misery for well over six months now. I know that Mike's biggest priority in this Houston Astros season is for the Yankees to create a rivalry with the Houston Astros, but to tweet out yesterday, is New York good at sports and get the pissed off New Yorker response that I was just looking for late on a Wednesday night? Oh, it felt really good. You know what else felt really good? Cause I, I don't know that this was a statement win of this series just because of all those guys that are on the DL. I think it was a statement win to finally kick James Paxton's ass. It has been a long time since you've done that. I mean, this is a guy who has a career ERA of 2.98 against the, excuse me, 2.89 against the Houston Astros. He's really, really been good. And all this time, you know, whenever he was on the Seattle Mariners, I really just wanted to endlessly put up gifs of Bill Paxton doing bad things, being made fun of in movies like, I don't know, maybe in uh, Aliens or something like that. Well, that's great. That's just great, man. Now what the f*** are we supposed to do? Where's the real pretty now, man? You finished. man. Game over, man. It's game over. We gonna do now? You finally had James Paxton like that last night, which was very nice. What movie was that? That's from Aliens. Oh wow, I've not seen that movie. Great movie. Oh hell yeah, that's a statement. I mean, the Yankees are the Yankees, and coming into the season, I think most people said that there was three great teams, elite teams, in the American League: the Red Sox, the Astros, the Yankees. Only one of those three teams has looked like a true contender and elite, and that is the Houston Astros, and they did it by sweeping one of the other two teams. That Astros team is great, and people forget how great it was last year. Last year's version might have been better than the previous year's version that won the World Series but ran into that buzzsaw, the Boston Red Sox, in the playoffs. But let's face it, the Astros are great. They're not good. They are great. Back to football for a second. In New Orleans, Drew Brees will return yet again in 2019. But could we be nearing the end of Breeze's run? There were already some thoughts last year that perhaps he was thinking about it being his final season. And what happens after life with Drew in New Orleans? Saints head coach Sean Payton joined WWL Sports Talk in New Orleans and discussed whether Teddy Bridgewater was the answer after Breeze retired. And it seems like Sean was not in the mood to exactly talk about the successor yet to Drew Breeze. Obviously, uh, it's not his first rodeo, but you look at maybe last of, uh, lack of game starting experiences of late. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but doesn't he have to compete for the starting job once Drew would retire? I know that's way down the road, 
But you know, fans have called yeah, me. Listen, and, and I like, didn't know yeah. we announced. It. I didn't know we announced him the starter. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see that depth chart. Well, so, no, yeah, they, they, had, they had the thing. People were telling me, "Oh yeah, Sean Payne said Teddy Bridgewater is no. taking over after Drew Brees." I said, "I don't know. He has to win the job first. Uh, listen, we would never do that. You know us long enough here. I I think this man. It's such an important position, and we felt last year we had one of the better rooms in the league that way, and in. Yeah, not only just the makeup of the room, but the talent in the room, because Taysom Hill's still in that room. And he's someone that's developing, and we feel like uh, he's going to be someone that competes to, to to play in this league. And so Teddy's got a, a – man, he, he brings a lot to the team. And, and I think uh, it's it's been a, you know, a real good fit. So, you know, that time when it comes, you know, there's always competition. And I, I don't think uh, anyone would expect – to to be anointed a, a, or given a job, right. and, and we would never do that. So, but but we feel like we've got um, really good depth there, and guys that work well together, and and it's a hard position to find. Coach, how much would you guys like to to bring back Tyler Davis, and he's still a free agent right now? Yeah, listen, he's a good football player, and he played well for us last year. So those discussions take place even when we're reading these players. You know, we read the D tackles yesterday and the day before. Um, so it's not unusual after the first wave of free agency for a number of players to uh, to be available. A lot of times teams will wait until the draft, and if they get maybe what they're looking for, uh, then hold. Or if they don't get, then they 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 know where they have to go then to find uh, the the players that they're that they're looking to fill in positions. But again, with the right with the right fit. Now, Coach Payton, looking at the preseason schedule came out, and obviously you know. Who you playing? When you playing? You got home, and then uh, all of a sudden against the Vikings. I think a good measuring stick uh, where they're at when, when you enter enter training camp and you're playing an opponent like the Vikings, who yep. underachieved last year. But it, it just seems like it stands to reason. Uh, Philip Rivers and the Chargers in that second game. Do you think uh, you'll have joint practice with them or what? Yeah, I think that's our plan. Uh, we've gotten a lot of good good work, and it comes at a time. You know, after you've been here for three weeks and you're in the heat, uh, the the work we've had with them two years in a row has been outstanding. And they're another like outstanding team, a playoff team. Uh, Anthony's done a great job, and the teams have worked well together. Uh, so that week, uh, our plan would be to, to have a joint practice. We haven't specifically gone through the dates of it yet, but we'll get, I think, some practice with each other and then play that game on Sunday. And then, you know, we end up going uh, out east, uh, to play the Jets and finish right. up at home here. Coach, last one before we, before we let you run. And Do you get tired or frustrated or maybe at, uh, you just laugh when you hear the Sean Payton and Dallas Cowboy rumors? What, 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 what do you do when you, when you hear that or see that? I'm in my 13th year. I don't know how to even, like, I don't know how to answer it. I feel like it's every other year. It's on the, right. it's on the odd number year, so 2019. Uh, it comes up, and then we'll hear it in 2021. Well, I can tell you, Coach Payton, you win a Super Bowl here in New Orleans. Uh, Jerry Jones be willing to give you $20 million a year. And all of a sudden, you can you, <laughs> <laughs> listen, you can break all kind of contracts as far as the oh, head coach. Oh, man. No, no, I, I, I'm being honest. I'm being totally objective. I know, but I'd like to keep him this. here. He's pretty no, no, good. I, but I'm just telling you, yeah, yeah, he might stay with the Who That Nation, the Saints, but, but yeah, I that's, know. That's, that's <laughs> clearly the plan. It's clearly the plan. <laughs> 
Well, I'm Sean Payton. I'm not interested in talking about that either. I've got a Hall of Fame quarterback under center that I just went to the NFC Championship game with and should have went to the Super Bowl with had the officials done their job. I wouldn't be interested either in talking about who's going to succeed the greatest player in franchise history. For now, Sean Payton doesn't have to answer those questions. He could just put a muzzle on all of that line of questioning, and understandably so, because Breeze is still getting it done. That's back-to-back years the Saints had Super Bowl-worthy teams and lost in heartbreakers in the playoffs. In the NBA, right before the NBA playoffs, after the regular season ends, a number of firings at head coach around the league, including in Sacramento, where they decided to fire Dave Yeager. Now, this is interesting because the Kings actually had 39 wins, their best season in 13 years. So why fire Yeager after what seemed to be an obvious step forward? Why did Vladi Divac make that decision? Here's the rise, guys, on ESPN 1320 in Sacramento. I mean, speaking of, I don't know if creepy is the right word, but it's a little weird to think that that coming out of the All-Star break, he was already thinking about making a change. Because given the Kings' place in the standings at that point, coming out of the All-Star break, that would be a purely personal move, right? You couldn't justify it any other way other than, I don't like what's going on behind the scenes. Well, there was an issue with whether he was going to get an extension or not. Yes. So, but but I mean, imagine that hanging over their heads too. Imagine having the first winning venture or being you know a team with a winning record for the first time in forever, and and actually seriously thinking about bouncing your coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, as far as the next level, what does that look like? Um, the next level is uh, you know be a team that is going to be you know. Uh, Playoff team and uh, down the road, you know, contender. You know, I think uh, our kids are very talented. Uh, we have to believe in them and give them a, a chance to take advantage of their, you know, a work and uh, and a talent. Yeah. Okay. I. Okay. I don't know. Uh, let, let me. Here's the. Here's the level of challenge to the next coach. Your team uh, franchise just improved by 12 wins and finished eight games out of the final playoff spot. I'm not saying it'll take 48 wins again next year uh, or 47, but it might. Um, and actually, I'll have to double-check that. Maybe I'm wrong about that. The Kings finished eight or nine games out of the final playoff spot. Yeah, they finished nine, nine. games out. So maybe it won't take 48 next year, but... You still have to find those wins, and you have to do so with a returning roster and no first-round draft pick. Just got to support the kids and let them grow. There you go. Yeah. As far okay. as the firing of Brandon Williams and potentially replacing him? No. I think, you know, uh, Paige and Ken, uh, can, they, can, they can step up, you know, and um, uh, help me out uh, uh, regarding that um, role, and uh, they did a great job, you know. Um, last last twenty four months. Hmm. Okay, I I mean I know it's a somber day and maybe you know the the right move is probably not to give away too much, but there's just nothing here. It's like all right, fine. You you either if you had a problem with with Dave Yeager, you don't have to lay him out publicly. I, I get that, but but the weird thing is that it's already going to start happening anyway, and it's going to be happening because. The King's front office will make it known what it was they were really unhappy about. Mm-hmm. 
Could it be that um, he's uh, holding his cards close to his vest because the Kings are working behind the scenes on a deal that will net them the coach of their dreams, who in this case would be Luke Walton? Possibly. But given contractual obligations, they're not at liberty to get into that right now. Yeah, it's always possible. It's possible that they'll come back in you know, one day or three days or something with a really major announcement. That could happen. And, you know, the landscape seems like it's changed, though, under maybe around them in the last two or three days, where it's gone from this notion that actually Luke Walton said so. Luke Walton indicated, and I think Sam reported this, that he and his assistant, his coaching staff, they all expected to be fired the morning after their final game. When that didn't happen, it was partly because Magic had resigned. Now the thinking is hey, Luke Walton may actually wind up staying with the Lakers. And. You know, given the choice of those two jobs, I, he might prefer to stay. And if that's the case, then – and if any of the Kings' thinking was predicated on the idea of we're going to get Luke Walton, then maybe they're scrambling a little bit actually right now trying mm-hmm. to figure out what, what their plan is. Yeah. This is just another case of an NBA team being delusional. You know, because NBA coaches are on just this never-ending carousel and they just feed one name into another and guys get recycled all the time – The actual value of a coach, I think, is highly underrated around the NBA. Everybody just wants another quick fix, move him out, get the next guy in. And Jaeger did a really good job with a young team, really far surpassing expectations. So to make a change now, to me, doesn't make any sense. Why the Kings are going to do that unless they're guaranteed, I guess, to get Luke Walton. But is that even a guarantee? And is Luke Walton even that much better than Jaeger? I have a hard time seeing that. Finally, we'll leave you on a lighter note. How about comedian Bob Saget, who joined Boomer and Geo on WFAN in New York. He rose to prominence as a stand-up comic and then also as Danny Tanner, the dad in Full House. Now, in today's day and age, how much tougher is it to be funny? Let's listen in. That is the thing that I'm enjoying is the challenge because what it does is it forces me to work on new kind of material. Mm -hmm. I love talking to the audience. They call it crowd work because that's like some common term that kind of annoys me as a comedian. It's talking to the people is what it is. I enjoy the discourse, even if it's, you know, if I'm in a 10,000 seat, uh, whatever, I've got a bunch of uh, music festivals I'm doing. And, And that's like, but I'll still talk to the people and they'll yell stuff out and they, they grew up watching me. So, you know, it's like an honor. And then they watched Entourage and they've seen other things and, and, and they, so everybody knows me from something different. Oh my God, that's Danny Tanner. I can't believe how he's talking. Oh my God. (laughs) Right. And it's like, it's, it's an honor in a way. I mean, you know, it's, it's so I like to say, here's a bunch of stuff I can't say anymore. So this stuff I want to get out that I can't say anymore. It's, you know, I keep things below my belt where it's safe. If you're talking about yourself and your own problems yeah, <laughs> and your own insecurities of, of, of your manhood, then, um, well, the amazing thing is it's just how yeah. much we all have in common. Well, you guys have in common, um, <laughs> but I, I will, I will say this. And I know this from, uh, working with the Friars club, okay? right? That it is all about the performance. It's right. all about touching the people that you are trying to impact and make laugh. And, right. You know, and I, I've, I've seen that here on this radio station for 10 years where a, a, somebody could come in for four hours and just completely forget what they did and, as they walk out the door because it's all about those four hours and touching the listeners. And that's being in the moment. And that's yes. what I love doing. And I, I also love the fact that they know me already, which takes a long time for that to happen. Mm-hmm. 
And so I have nothing but, I feel like I'm talking to a friend. When I pull a mic out of the stand, you know, no matter what you go through in the day, it's, you're in their living room because I was in their living room. And now, I mean, physically I break and enter, but, uh, <laughs> but I love talking to them like I know them already. And that's what you do. You, you're, you're, you're communicating moment, with yes. people. Yeah, it's in a moment. And you, I would just say that stand-up has got to be the thing for you because you're there with a live audience. Yeah. They're interacting with you. They're reacting to what you're saying as opposed to shooting a movie or – Well, or something. I love theater. I've done uh, some Broadway stuff here, which I'm very fortunate. last one I did was Hand to God. I took over for Mark Kudish, and it was a, an amazing play. I don't know if you saw it, but it was – Fantastic, very dark and wonderful with great actors, and I played a priest, a Lutheran minister, and that's they didn't. Some people didn't even know it was me because <laughs> I just didn't act like anything they'd seen. Yeah. But this this movie, Benjamin, I'm kind of like Danny Tanner, uh, you know, off the rails, just mm-hmm. gone, just kind of out of it. When you were in that mainstream America's Funniest Home Videos, Danny Tanner, right. but you're really not yourself. Did was that a struggle for you at all? Because but I was have- thirty, so yeah. I didn't even know who myself was. Okay. And then all of a sudden, you got two top ten shows, and you know, when you're thirty and you're you're making some decent change, and you're a snarky. Sob. Yeah. I was I was just annoying, and but I was trying to be funny because I I was capable and I was always funny, but you can't do what I wanted to do at those uh, in those venues. And now I appreciate being on Full House. I love entertaining families. Sounds like a creepy thing to say after all the other stuff. Here's <laughs> yeah. Bob Standup at PlayStation <laughs> Theater. Right. Uh, don't bring kids, but but I love doing Fuller House. We have one more season left on Netflix. And I love doing this new video show that'll come out either in summer or in fall. ABC's trying to decide, but we're at 10 o'clock at night show because we're kind of blue. It's always a little disconcerting when you hear Bob Saget work blue and really get very crude because you think of him in that Danny Tanner role as a dad in full house. And you go, this does not feel like it matches my image of who he is, even though that's just a television character. It always is a little disconcerting when you hear that, but interesting to hear Bob Saget talk about trying to be funny nowadays when it's a little harder with what you can and cannot say. That's the best in your sports talk for Friday, April the 12th. We'll see you on Monday, everyone, when we'll have a Masters champion. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 